0: The two groups lost the same amount of weight, but the intermittent fasting group, the 5-2 group, had a greater increase in insulin sensitivity and a larger reduction in waist circumference. Welcome to Tequila Talks with your host, me, Sam Davis, where we cover every topic from health and wellness, entrepreneurship, modern culture, and honestly, life. It's going to be unfiltered, possibly influenced by tequila a time or two, because I like my talks like I like my tequila straight up. The longer I spend in the fitness space, the more I realize how many scams there are. They just, the amount just keeps growing. There are far more than 10. More than this episode alone, but these are the ones that I see most often from people who claim to be gurus or they're influencers and have a big platform. Most of it is just straight up false. So I'm going to spend this episode busting the 10 most common myths and explaining the real science, what's fact and what's false. And at the very end of this episode, I'm going to dive into intermittent fasting. That's a big one these days, has been for a few years now. And depending on what you're using fasting for, it can be fact and a myth just depends on what side of the aisle you're on when you're using intermittent fasting. Also PS, the condensed version of this episode is actually over on my TikTok right now. So if you like quick snippets of education, then make sure to follow my TikTok account. It's just powerfully fit. So the first two you've probably heard before, the first two myths, but I want to include them because on occasion I have some newbies here and I just want you to hear it. So bear with me, but eventually we'll dive into myths that tend to fly under the radar, even with my girls who have been working on their health and wellness for a while. You can get ripped with the right insert special diet. I, I mean, I hate the term dieting, but we're going to use it. Of course, dieting can help you lose weight and improve overall health, but from someone who has owned her own women's health and coaching company for over 10 years now and consulted with many companies in the fitness space, coaches, personal trainers, influencers, a lot of the marketing for these take your pain points and take things you're emotionally attached to and use them against you on things that are pretty extreme. Flat belly diet, the starvation diet, extreme exercise, you know, Octavia shakes, any shake diet. And most of the time for women, those shredded bodies that you see on Instagram with six pack abs and and built out muscle, I mean, more often than not, they are using some sort of anabolic steroid. And that comes with a lot of bad side effects. These are all scams. The influencer who's using anabolic steroids is a scam in themselves. Here's the deal, educate yourself, fall in love with the process of health and wellness. You cannot expect to lose 20 pounds in four weeks when it took you four years to put on those 20 pounds. It doesn't work like that. Your expectation is far too high. So if you're looking for these quick fixes, they don't work because you're not shifting anything in your lifestyle. You're not finding joy in this. And I'll tell you what, there's no fucking way that you're finding joy in drinking four shakes a day and not eating anything. I don't care who you are. There's no freaking way that you enjoy that. If you want to grow beautiful lean muscle, lose fat all over, not just on your belly, because that's not possible to target without liposuction. And you're looking for science-backed resource that educates you and walks you through the philosophy of your body and how to use it, I would highly recommend Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. It's a book, and no, this is not an ad, a genuine review for my newbies who keep falling for scams like this one. It's awesome. It dives into the physiology of our body, how to apply these basic concepts, macro counting, how to structure your workouts. It's broken down to an elementary way of educating so that you can digest it and apply it super easily. So that's thinner, leaner, stronger. You can buy it on Amazon for like 20 bucks. I'll leave the link in the the show notes. Myth number two, you'll get bulky from lifting weights. (sighs) I have no idea when health coaches will be able to stop saying this over and over again for you to believe us. All of y'all that want a big ass booty, you're trying to bulk your ass. The term bulk is just scary to most women, but understand that bulk, build, increase in size, fill out, lift, they all mean the same thing in the fitness world. Unless something's off with your endocrine system, AKA your hormones, you won't get bulky. And my guess is you're struggling with building a butt and you want to know why it's because you don't make enough testosterone and it's harder to grow a muscle as a female because we have less of it. It just takes longer. The scary, and I say scary in the most non-judgmental loving way. Do you boo? The scary fitness women are on massive amounts of fake testosterone to look that way, AKA anabolic steroids. The other thing that I want to mention is I will get comments back on social media about, you know, my, my arms get too big. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal with that sister friend. If you are lifting arms and you are not applying a nutritious diet to lose fat, you will build muscle under a fat layer and that will continue to make you expand. But think about it this way. The fat you hold on your body is extra energy. So if you are in a slight deficit and then trying to build a butt and you're slightly overweight, that fat will be used for energy to build your butt. So that's how Recomp works. But if you're eating in excess and then also building muscle, that excess that you're eating and intaking will not go to storage. It will go to build your muscle. The problem is you're not using the fat that you've already stored. So that's the difference. When women are like, oh, I don't want to get bulky. Well, if, if you have fat to lose, then make sure your calories are just under maintenance. Just a little bit. I would say probably 200 calories and you'll be, you'll be good. So next time you say you want to grow your peach, understand you're saying I want to bulk, but in a more feminine way. Myth number three, early morning is the best time to work out. I can't stand the influencers that give you like a day in the life and they start out at 5 30 a.m i've seen 4 30 before and i'm like there's just no freaking way if you influence for a living and create there is no way in hell you're waking up that early i'm calling your bullshit but for my girls who or men who need to wake up early and get a lift in because their job starts at 6 a.m or they have kiddos you know whatever your circumstance is then go for it if i told my clients Hey, wake up at five, all of them, all of them. The only way to be successful is if you wake up at 5 a.m. and you get a workout in. My success rate with my clients would just tank. It's not feasible and it's not logical for a lot of people. It, I, hell, I don't want to do it. I work out at between 12 and, and 2 every day. I'm not getting up early to work out. But my advice to you is is experiment with what works best for you and then choose one because if it doesn't work for you, it's not sustainable. But there is no scientific data that backs up working earlier in the morning is the best time to work out for your body and you'll get the best results. There's quite literally nothing that proves that to be true. Myth number four, abs are the epitome of health. Unfortunately, anything I say here is probably going to ruffle some tail feathers. I want to start by saying there is a difference between a toned stomach and a six pack. To see a six pack on a woman, most of the time you're down 10, 6% body fat, and that causes a ton of hormonal issues for women. We are designed to carry a little love layer. That's what I like to call it, love layer. Now, where you carry that love layer is just genetics. Men, on the other hand, can be 6% body fat and still function optimally. If you're looking at a woman that has a super, super lean tummy, and you can see a six pack all the time, I say most, not all because some women have sneaky, crazy, good genetics in that area. Sometimes their metabolism is so fast and they just can't keep on weight. Those are actually women that have a hard time putting on muscle. Abs do not equal health. It usually signals some sort of obsession and body dysmorphia. All right, myth number five, cardio is the best way to lose fat. My clients don't get more than two 20 minute sessions of cardio a week and I never put them on the treadmill unless they want to be on the treadmill. In reality, lifting weights revs up your metabolism more so than cardio ever will. And no, again, you won't get bulky. Cardio is really good for your cardiovascular health, but it shouldn't be how you commit to losing fat. In reality here, humans are adaptive machines. So let's say you run a mile every day for two weeks. After your two weeks is up, your body's going to adapt, aka you get in better shape cardiovascularly. Then in order to burn the same amount of calories that you just did in the last two weeks, You're going to have to step it up and run three miles a day. Your heart is a muscle, which adapts just like your glutes would if you're trying to build and get stronger. Eventually, you will have to go up in weight to challenge yourself more. Think of running as the same. What is effective cardio is hit. It's called high-intensity interval training. If you want me to dive into that and the science behind that, I can make a whole episode on that. Just let me know. But for now, get off the treadmill. Don't do long form cardio, that long distance running, unless you love it and you're doing it for funsies. But understand that that is not the quickest way to lose fat. Your body's adapting too quickly. One mile turns into two miles, turns into three miles. Eventually it's 15 miles and your body is ready for a marathon and you're still not losing fat. Myth number six, muscle turns into fat. It is true that muscles will start to shrink if you stop lifting at the same volume as you are now. Right? So if you're hip thrusting 140 pounds and all of a sudden you start hip thrusting for 100 pounds, your butt's gonna shrink. It doesn't need to output 130 pounds of force anymore. Muscle on your frame takes calories to exist, fat does not. The more muscle on your frame that you have, the more you're able to eat because your metabolism is faster. That being said, if you continue to consume the same amount of calories as you did when you were lifting weight at high volumes or at high weight, those extra calories will likely be stored in the form of body fat since they're not being used as fuel. So that's why a lot of people who are uneducated on this say that muscle turns into fat. What happens is your muscle shrinks and if you're eating the same amount of calories, you build your fat layer, you add to your fat deposits. It's not that muscle converts to fat. It's actually impossible for muscle to turn into fat because the cells that make up these tissues have completely different structures. It's just not possible. Think of it like a layer. Your muscle layer depletes and your fat layer gets bigger. Say you start working out at home. You went from the gym, you built some muscle. Now you have to work out at home because maybe you your kiddos are now at home for the summer. Understand that you're gonna have to reduce your calorie intake because you only have a 35 pound weight at home. It, that just does not equal 135 pounds on a barbell in a gym. Myth number seven, salt dehydrates you and is bad. Salt is an electrolyte. Putting it in the same group as potassium, magnesium, calcium, and phosphate, which you see pushed all over Instagram, especially magnesium. And I agree, I take magnesium. It's very important, but so is salt. A huge job for sodium and potassium is maintaining the right balance of fluids inside and out of your cells. AKA, they make sure your cells don't shrivel up like a prune or explode from being too full of water. Here's the kicker too much salt does indeed dehydrate you but that's only if you're not drinking enough water just like anything else you must have balance here if you have a highly processed diet you do not want to supplement with salt if you are sweating lifting running and consistently exercising electrolytes such as salt are indeed necessary to keep your body hydrated it's not inherently bad but an excessive amount of salt without proper hydration is bad with the right balance salt alongside other electrolytes can increase your energy it helps your thyroid function properly which controls your metabolism it reduces fatigue helps your brain and it also increases muscle output my favorite tablets are noon tablets you can find them in pretty much any grocery store in the pharmacy vitamin section they're little tablets and you just throw them in your water i like one in the morning and then it also is nice because it adds some flavor to your water but they're not sweet they're not sweet at all which is ideal myth number eight keto is the best way to lose fat where are my keto pushers my keto coaches all my keto people or all my keto people that think they're real keto people this is for you first of all if you aren't peeing on a stick every morning to monitor if you're in ketosis you can't say you're in ketosis simply because you've cut out carbs a real ketosis diet is less than 30 grams of carbs a day This means no fruit, no white anything, some vegetables are a no-go, no potatoes or starchy vegetables, no sugar, no nada, other than approved fat sources, lean proteins, and veggies that particularly have nothing in them, like cucumbers. It was originally invented in the 1920s to help kiddos with epilepsy and has taken the health industry by storm because of its rapid weight loss side effects. There's a long list of diseases and disorders real ketosis actually helps with. I'm not going to dive into it today, but if you're going into ketosis to help cure you of these diseases, you should be monitored by a doctor. My point is, most of those diseases and disorders are diagnosed by a doctor, and that doctor monitors the body's response to ketosis. Research shows, while limited, but it does show, if you're using ketosis for fat loss, you should not be on it longer than three to six months and it's true ketosis, by the way, like 30 grams of carbs a day, your body is in ketosis. It is producing ketones. It is really hard on your kidney because of ketoacidosis. Your kidneys need to filter out all the acid our body creates from being in ketosis. And side effects of that include short-term health risks, including flu-like symptoms, for example, upset stomach, headache, fatigue, and dizzy spells. This is actually called the keto flu. Some people also report trouble sleeping, cutting back on high fiber vegetables that often have carbohydrates, fruits and whole grains can also increase the risk for constipation. You get really bloated and uncomfortable. And oftentimes keto dieters must take a fiber supplement to stay regular, remotely regular. Again, this should be totally discussed with a healthcare provider. Long-term health risks of keto diet include kidney stones, liver disease and deficiencies of vitamins and minerals. To limit carbs, many nutrient-rich vegetables and fruits are cut out thus intakes of vitamin a c k and folate are usually super super low my advice if you have to do a keto diet and you're probably already doing this anyway to be honest follow a keto diet light which integrates fruits and fibrous foods like oats to keep you regular and keep your system operating the way it's supposed to you have to get those minerals in the a c k folate you have to get those in for your body to function properly and not have any deficiencies which over long-term create a lot of issues. When you add fruits and fibrous foods, like oats, what you get is a well-balanced diet. Crazy, mind blown. (sighs) Myth number nine, trick, shock, or confuse your muscles for the ultimate gains. This is one of my favorite myths because if you think about it, like if you actually think about it, it's kind of silly. The only thing that gets confused, shocked, or tricked is your brain. Your brain is connected to your muscles yes but the actual process that helps your muscles grow are not affected by crazy exercise routines that saying trick your muscles implies that each one of your muscles has its own brain that you confuse by doing some weird random exercise and you saw an influencer doing she probably told you it would confuse your muscles too here's the argument so long as you can continue training in ways your body doesn't expect it will be forced to maximally adapt because it's a new stimulus each time that is the difference here. Time under tension, or TUT, tut, is what you actually need to be doing in order to kick your muscles' development into overdrive. What you're doing is forcing your muscles to withstand load. So, this is the weight. You're, you're forcing your muscles to withstand that load for longer periods of time, and that helps break down the muscles and grow anew. This is the adaptation part. So, mixing up reps and sets and rest periods also helps challenge your muscles. But at the end of the day you're not tricking anyone or anything you're just giving your body a new challenge that challenge makes your muscles grow there is no confusion in that and the last myth we're going to cover before we dive into intermittent fasting is fat makes you fat eating more calories than you exert makes you fat this is the basic concept calories in calories out the fat that you eat doesn't automatically get shuffled straight into the fat tissue in your body any more than eating more protein will automatically build muscle the USDA is trying to convince us that the low-fat diet is the way to go, which I find absolutely ridiculous. And not to dive into conspiracy theories, but it's to keep you addicted to food. It feeds big pharma. Don't add me. So people reading this confuse fat itself with junk food that's associated with fat and blame fat when they should be blaming sugar, refined grains, and all the other shitty shit that they go to, Chips Ahoy, a Big Mac. Of the three macronutrients, proteins, carbs, and fats, fats are the most caloric dense. One gram of fat has nine calories, whereas one gram of protein and carbs only has four. So when we're talking about fats from hamburgers, brownies, fast food, yes, of course, eating those in excessive amounts is going to make you gain weight. Regardless of their fat content, junk food is still unhealthy and whole foods are still healthy. There's no evidence that eating fat from non-junk food sources causes weight gain of any kind, any kind, unless you eat them in excess. Some of the most nutritious foods on the planet are high in fat. If you wanna learn more about that, I put out a lot of this information in my email list, so you can go to my Instagram account, Powerfully Fit, and sign up for my email list, and I actually dive into a lot of this science. So if you want to nerd out with me even more on the science behind this, go ahead and add yourself to my email list, because that's where a lot of this stuff goes. All right, let's talk about intermittent fasting. If you spent any time here, you know what this is, kinda, at least the basics. But within the fasting community there are myths and facts so if you fast or are curious about fasting and how it helps or doesn't help your body listen up if you don't know what intermittent fasting is it's essentially fasting for 16 hours out of the day there are other intervals you can do but most consume calories for eight hours and then stop until their next window so that means they fast for 16. Some fasting even recommends you take a complete fast for 36 hours once a week, which is wild. But I watched my boy Chris Hemsworth do it on his show, Limitless, and he looked fucking miserable. (laughs) But he did it, and his body responded the way it was supposed to. Here's the tea. According to NCBI, which is the Nation Center for Biotechnology Information, aka the National Library of Medicine, and peer-reviewed shit, and I quote, in most mammals the liver serves as the main reservoir of glucose which is stored in the form of glycogen in humans depending upon their level of physical activity 12 to 24 hours of fasting typically results in a decrease in serum glucose and depletion of glycogen accompanied by a switch to a metabolic mode in which glucose fat derived ketone bodies and free fatty acids are used for energy sources pause this is ketosis. Okay, unpause. After hepatic glycogen depletion, lactate, pyruvate, and fat derived glycerol and and amino acids account for the gluconeogenesis dependent generation of approximately 80 grams per day of glucose. Holy fuck, that was a big word. Depending on the severity and length of the restriction, fatty acids are mobilized leading to an increase in circulating ketone bodies. Okay, that would just describe the ketosis. If you're not a nerd, that probably went way over your head. This is what that actually meant. Our body uses glucose for energy, and when we stop eating glucose, we go into ketosis. Then when our body produces ketones for energy, which is a survival mechanism, this happens about 48 hours into a full fast. So what the fuck does that mean for us? Intermittent fasting can actually help our body composition if used appropriately, and adequate calories are consumed during that eight-hour window. This also goes the other way. Don't overindulge in calories either. It's not a free-for-all in the eight hours, which is why this doesn't work for a lot of people. If you are obese or are very overweight, intermittent fasting does help you with body weight gain, improves sleep, and improves blood pressure. But get this, I found this very interesting. In a trial using healthy participants, they had two groups of women specifically One was assigned to a 5-2 regimen, meaning you fast for five hours and you eat for two, and the other group simply just needed to reduce calories by 25%. The two groups lost the same amount of weight, but the intermittent fasting group, the 5-2 group, had a greater increase in insulin sensitivity and a larger reduction in waist circumference. A great increase in insulin sensitivity is a good thing, by the way. You want your body to be sensitive to insulin and respond with as little amount as possible so you don't get insulin resistant. Insulin is a steroid hormone, aka storage hormone or a growth hormone. So we want our body to be sensitive to it and respond efficiently because the more that circulates, the more resistant we get and the more fat we hold on to. But in order to have longevity and anti-inflammatory effects, You have to fast for around five days, and this has only been studied in mice, by the way. Essentially what happens in your body is when you fast, you are restricting glucose, which also restricts food to what we call zombie cells. Zombie cells are damaged cells that are deteriorating because of aging, and we don't need them anymore. These cells secrete proteins and inflammatory molecules that infect healthy cells, turning them into zombie cells. So the fast cuts the cell's energy off, right? We're not getting enough glucose. The glucose doesn't go to the zombie cells. This reduces inflammation, slows the aging process, and in theory, starves diseases like cancer and dementia. While medicine or fasting could hold keys to living longer, the proven path to longevity and reduce aging physically, like on the inside and the outside, is to eat healthy, exercise regularly, have solid nights sleep every night, drink enough water. We want to limit the stressors in your life, or at least learn how to manage it. All of those habits make up how we actually live longer. Fasting would just be one key to this. It's not the only key. So let's talk about cons. To be honest, there aren't a ton, like the 16-8 method I spoke about earlier. That's not too extreme. It's one thing if you're going days without eating, a week without eating, a month without eating, but I still believe fasting to be an extreme and should be monitored by a doctor or healthcare professional. Those who already lead active lifestyles or are leaner individuals before beginning intermittent fasting may suffer from hormonal imbalances as a result. For women, this could lead to irregular menstrual cycles and the potential for fertility issues. So with the supervision or approval of a physician and careful monitoring of all these bodily functions, intermittent fasting is generally safe, again, if we don't have issues. If you're going to take this to the extreme, just go to your doctor find a professional. Maybe a health coach will help you. You can pee on a stick and make sure you're not going into ketosis. All right. And there you have it. The episode turned into an episode that was longer than I expected, but I hope it was super helpful. If it was, please share, send, save, rate. It helps me out a ton. Happy launch week. Until next week. Cheers.